Welcome to the Talk of Fame Network. I got a good deal on those boys. The scout said they showed a lot of promise. With your Hall of Fame voters. Don't act like you're not impressed. Ron Borges. You want to punch me right now, but you won't. Rick Oslin. I don't know what we're yelling about! And Clark Judge. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? The time has come today. The Chambers Brothers, that great song. Anyway, like the Chambers Brothers, we're redoing our clocks. We're changing the formats that you're familiar with and giving you, well, we're actually giving you more of the Talk of Fame Network, only we've uh, kind of rearranged the furniture here with longer interviews so you can get more of our weekly guests. I'm Clark. I'm in San Diego this week for the Chargers' last minicamp here. Sad time, guys. I'm joined by Rick and Ron. And and Ron, you're actually in, what, Wisconsin for the PGA and... uh, you're on a cell phone, right? I am, actually. I'm here in beautiful uh, Aaron, Wisconsin, or Aaron Hills, where the 117th U.S. Open uh, may or may not ever start. It's been uh, raining and lightning and thundering and knocking out telephones and internet and everything like that. But uh, they press on, and uh, hopefully by Thursday, the sun will peek through the whatever's going on. Although it's actually sort of out at the moment, but not here for long, I'm sure. <laughs> Sun's, uh, sun is always out here in Texas. Well, that, that's a yeah, good thing, Goose. Go. That's a good say, thing. This, this, Clark, this, this new format we have, it's like switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. <laughs> so Ron's going to learn how to rush off the edge, and we'll need to study our playbooks. Oh, I like that. That could be a good thing. You know what? And today, the, those guests that we've got, they're timely and topical. I mean, timely because it's Father's Day weekend this Sunday, and we have the Shanahan's with us, Mike and his son Kyle, in fact. And Mike's at the 49ers this week, where his son is the head coach. And timely, yeah, timely, because we're featuring the NFC West this week in the sixth installment of our eight-week series on divisions. Yeah, you can argue this is the NFC worst. There's only one team finished above 500 last season. That's the fewest of any division. Two teams changed coaches. 49ers, Rams, Chargers. California is now home to the worst pro football the NFL has to offer. And me. Hey, thanks. Um, but that's not all, Goose Man. We also have Pittsburgh linebacker James Harrison, the 39-year-old Marvel who never ages, as well as John Clayton. He works these days. I think it's ESPN still, but he's going to fill us in on what's going on with his next-door neighbors. That would be the Seattle Seahawks. We'll hear about famous father-son combinations, and we'll take a tour of the NFC West, not with John, but by ourselves, to get a handle on what's going on. All that's coming up right after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Kyle is a professional dog trainer. Sit down. Roll over. Good. When it comes to canine obedience, he's your best friend's best friend. Such a good girl. And in his personal time, Kyle's a personal trainer. Nice work on those planks, guys. Now roll over and give me 25 push-ups. One, two, good. Hey, keep that caboose down. You see, no matter who or what he trains, Kyle knows how to get results. But when it comes to mortgages, he's less confident. Guilty as charged. Fortunately for Kyle, there's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. It's simple, so he can understand the details and know he's getting the right mortgage. I like it, people. Who wants a treat? Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Go to rocketmortgage.com today. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. 
This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO. Where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you know what? You probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. We're also brought to you by Gillette. That would be home of Ron Borges' favorite football team. Yeah, Gillette Stadium. 40 million Americans wake up to a Gillette shave, and Gillette is working to bring you America's number one shave at lower prices. Go to GilletteOnDemand.com and get your first and fourth orders free. Ron, first and fourth orders. That's a little bit odd. How are you going there? How will I know him when I look in my father's eyes? Well, it's Father's Day this weekend, and a lot of fathers will be getting free shaves, compliments of Gillette. And Ron, no, you have a son. I don't think he's old enough to shave, but uh, what do you guys have planned for this weekend? Well, unfortunately, uh, 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 nothing because it's become tradition that I'm at the U.S. Open uh, every Father's Day, and he's out playing open hockey, open lacrosse, open video games, open with his bros. Uh, saves me, saves him some big allowance spending on his father. Good deal for so, him. So you have an open relationship, is what you're telling us? <laughs> yes, we do. At least on Father's Day, we do. Well, I got a suggestion for Ron. I, I, if you were, if you were home. I say you should spend the day watching the best team in the American League East, except, you know what, uh, the Yankees are out here. They're uh, in Anaheim. Why would I do that? Upset my stomach for the, for the weekend? That wouldn't be good. <laughs> well, good luck with that, Ron. In the meantime, we're going to honor Father's, <laughs> Father's Day, not by flying Ron and his son Jack to Anaheim or Oakland to see Aaron Judge and the Yankees. We're going to honor the best and brightest Father-son combinations in the NFL. It's sort of a... Is there a relationship, by the way, there between you and Aaron Judge? Is he like a cousin or something? There, he is not a cousin, but he's a guy that I, I you know, worship every morning when I watch those long taters going into the stands. We all get a Colin Kaepernick be, in our house, get down on our knees and, and, and worship Aaron Judge. Yeah. He'll be your cousin by August. He will be. Yeah, he wasn't my cousin two weeks ago or two months ago, but he is now. <laughs> By September, he may be uh, he may be my distant brother. Anyway, um, we're putting together sort of Hall of Fame of fathers and their sons. And Goose, um, we're going to start by giving you first dibs on this. Um, you want to start out with naming the Mannings, or, or should Ron? You, you got first dibs on this. I'll start because someone has to defend the honor of this family, and I can't trust either of you two guys. <laughs> Smart man. Sons Peyton and Eli were both the first overall selections of NFL drafts, and Father Archie was the second overall pick of his. Peyton and Eli won two Lombardi trophies apiece. Both have been voted Super Bowl MVPs. Peyton threw for more yards than any player in NFL history. Eli ranks number eight on that list. Peyton was a five-time NFL MVP, and Archie may have been the most talented quarterback in the family, but his career was doomed from the start because he was selected by the Saints. They were a bad team, and he took a serious beating. You cannot be great from your backside. Yeah, you're right about that, Goose. You know, it's funny. I, I know the, the numbers don't reflect it, but I, I remember as a kid watching Archie Manning play, and I thought he was the most exciting, charismatic, best, basically, collegiate quarterback then and really ever. When people ask me today, who'd you like in, in college? Who do you remember? I went, jeez, Archie Manning. He could do everything. Um, it really, there was, it seemed to me, nothing he couldn't do except, I guess, win a national championship, although it was sort of a mythical thing back then anyway. Yeah, we were both in college back then. Do you remember the Archie who buttons worn back I served, then? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I yeah, do. He, he, uh, he was one of a handful of quarterbacks who defined swagger. 
during that era, along with Roger Staubach and Joe Namath. Well, Gooch, you might have been in college then. I, I was, I think, five or six, I, I, you know, so you were much older than I. Okay, Ronnie, you're next. Yes, sir. And, and, and because Tom Brady's son, Jack, and, and you probably named your no, that's, son that's, after him. That's my son. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's son, Tom, Tom Brady's son, Jack John, I think he is, but you call him Jack because he's only nine. So you're going to have to go somewhere other than Foxborough for your father-son combination. So where are you going? Well, actually, I do not have to go anywhere but to Foxborough. How about the Hall of Famer, John Hanna, who some say is the greatest offensive lineman to ever live, his dear old dad, Herb, who played tackle for the New York Giants, and his brother, Charlie, who played 12 years in the NFL, was a starting guard on the Raiders, be still my heart, Super Bowl 18 champions. Charlie was one of the guys who opened up holes in the Redskins defense that you could drive a truck through, including one named Marcus Allen on the most meandering, mesmerizing touchdown run in Super Bowl history. And don't forget little brother David. He didn't make it in the NFL, but all four of them were all Southeastern Conference for the Crimson Tide. That's a formidable father and many sons group. So, Ron, since it is Father's Day weekend and your son Jack is interested in Oh, the Hannahs. Which of the Hannahs would he nominate? Those four or Hannah Montana? <laughs> yeah, he probably, would, he probably would nominate Hannah Montana, now that I think about it, but that's because he would think that it was Joe Montana's sister. <laughs> He's a big twerking, twerking fan. <laughs> anyway, um, well, guys, uh, surprise, surprise. I'm going with one of my all-time favorite quarterbacks and actually one of our guests on the Talk of Fame Network, and that's Burt Jones. Ron, you remember him in Baltimore? We both covered him in Baltimore. Um, great player. Sure. Um, and we had him here, Goose, what, like a couple years ago, a year and a half ago? Yep. Um, yep. But, but that's not all. We also had his dad on here, Dub, and, and, and he's in his 90s, and he was great. I mean, he was as good or if not better than Bird on the radio, and sort of like father, like son. I mean, both were outstanding football players. I mean, Dub, that a lot of people forget, uh, shouldn't, was a flanker on great Cleveland Browns teams. In fact, um, Goosey would know this. He was part of that 48 team that went undefeated in the All-American Football Conference. It's part of five Browns championships. That would be three in the NFL. Named the Super Bowl, I mean the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl twice, um, and still shares the record for most touchdowns in one game. It's six. Uh, and then Bird, of course, we all remember, a great quarterback for the Colts, led his team to three straight AFC East titles, was the 76th NFL MVP, and did one memorable Miller Lite commercial, commercial with Bubba Smith, which was great. Uh, he holds an NFL record, too, and anyone know what it was? Goose? Take it, sacks. Yep, you are correct, sir. He was sacked a record 12 times in a 1980 game against the Cardinals. I think that was timed by uh, Donovan McNabb when they played the, the Giants, and uh, they had a vulnerable left tackle on that Sunday night game. Anyway, had Burt Jones' career been not been cut short by injuries, guys, I, I really believe, in fact, I'd almost guarantee he'd be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, Goose, I'll ask you, you do you agree with that as well? Yeah, like you said, he was the best player in football in 1976, the NFL MVP, and that's a pretty good indicator of talent. If you watched him, you saw one of the best pure passers the game has ever seen. I've, I've got Namath, Marino, and Jones. It's three of my favorites. Well, one uh, never knows about the Hall of Fame, as, as Goose always reminds us, but there's no question this was a gifted quarterback with a shotgun arm. And that guy could throw it to the back of the barn, and he didn't have to open the doors in the front of the barn to do it. I mean, he could rifle a ball. Hence the name what, Clark? The Rustin, Rustin Rifle. Rifle. Yes, sir. That's right. Correct. Not to be confused with the Amish rifle. 
Not to be confused even slightly. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Gooseman, you have our next favorite father-son combination. And tell me, uh, how tough do you think it is or was on these kids to follow a father with a famous name? For instance, like uh, Joe Montana, son who played quarterback. Remember, he went to Notre Dame. And, and then he transferred to Pasadena City College, and then he transferred to Montana, and then West Virginia West. And I guess it was pretty tough, but uh, talk about <laughs> pressure. I mean, that's a ton of pressure, right? Well, it, but it depends on the player, on the talent of the player. Eli Manning followed his dad to Mississippi, and uh, in what could have been a can't-win situation, it wasn't. But I do agree the spotlight's a little brighter at Notre Dame than it was at Ole Miss, but the, the Matthews family did pretty well in can't-win yeah. situations at Southern Cal. Okay, Gooseman, sorry, but we're running out of time here. Your next father-son combination that you'd like to put in the Hall of Fame. The Clay Matthews clan. Clay Sr., Clay Jr., Clay III. All played in the NFL. They combined to go out to play, uh, in f- I think, 14 Pro Bowls. Played 32 seasons. I mean, that was as good a family as it gets. Well, Gooseman, you're big on claymation, apparently. Hey, Ron, I, I see you waiting yeah. to make a nomination there. You're raising your hand. I can see you all the way in Wisconsin. What do you have, or who do you have? I have. Well, that's a lot of feet of feats of clay, by the way. But what I have is Jackie and Matthew Slater. Between them, they played 29 years in the NFL, went to 13 Pro Bowls. Jackie played 20 years with the Rams, was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His son Matthew's a special teams maven with the Patriots. He isn't going to the Hall of Fame, but he's won two Super Bowl championships and been to six Pro Bowls. But the best thing about these guys is not their football, but their good works. Yeah. In 1995, Jackie Slater won the Bart Star Man of the Year Award for Community Service. 22 years later, his son Matthew won the same award last season. The apple did not fall far from that tree. Well, we mentioned it's Father's Day weekend this weekend, and guess what? We have a famous father standing by. It's Coach Mike Shanahan, and he's up next right after this. You'll listen to the Talk of Fame Network. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Gillette. 40 million Americans wake up to a Gillette shave, and Gillette is working to bring you America's number one shave at lower prices. Go to Gillette.com, GilletteOnDemand.com to get your first and fourth orders free. Sounds like a good idea. Anyway, our first guest... He's no stranger to this show. It's former coach Mike Shanahan, friend of ours, who won two Super Bowls with Denver, was a guest on this program earlier this year, and is currently in one of my favorite places, Santa Clara, California, at the 49ers minicamp to visit son Kyle, head coach of the 49ers. Mike, that sounds pretty good. Welcome back, first of all. Well, thanks. Good to be on. Mike, um, you know, the last time I saw you out there, as you know, was, was 1994 when you were the offensive coordinator of the 49ers. I was covering that team, and they were on their way to a, a fifth Super Bowl victory. Um, I'm not sure our listeners know this, but had the 49ers not won that year, or if they would not gotten to the Super Bowl, you were going to be the next head coach of the team. You would have succeeded George Seifert. Of course, you didn't, and uh, the 49ers won. You went on to Denver, but... I'm just wondering, how weird is it to be back there now that your son, not you as the head coach, and, and what's changed about that building and that area around you, other than the fact that you're looking at a stadium out your front door? Well, you know, I haven't been back since 94, so to come back here this week, or I should say last week, was the first time I was here since 94, was quite a bit different. You know, it's the same building, but obviously a big stadium in front of it now, and the uh, same practice facilities, just a little bit different. But uh, it is great to get back. As you said, this is a great area. 
some great football tradition, and it's been fun to be fun for me to be back here the last couple of days. Mike, you, you sat in that saddle for a long time, but this is Kyle's first go around as a head coach. If there's one message that you cannot overstate, something you wish you would have known when you first became a head coach, what would it be? Well, I think the first thing that you look for, you know, I look back at, you know, my years when I became a head coach, and I was actually only in the National Football League for four years. And the one thing uh, a little bit different with Kyle, you know, he's been with, you know, five different teams and been a coordinator for four different teams. So he's experienced a few different organizations. He's, you know, been a coordinator uh, calling plays for nine years. And it was a little bit different, uh, you know, for me coming in as a head coach the first time and really calling plays all my own the first year. And so, you know, he's got a little bit uh, better background than I had uh, when I came in. How much pressure do you think there is on Kyle? Not just because he's a first-year head coach, but because he's Mike Shanahan's son. I mean, that's a that's a pretty steep hill to climb, you know, especially when you have the resume that you built in San Francisco and later Denver. Well, to be honest with you, you know, I I think uh, you know Kyle has you know done what he's done. I think he's done a good job at different you know organizations, and I think that speaks for itself. You know. And you go, when you get your opportunity to be a coordinator like you did at Houston and you know a couple of years you're in the top five when you're when you're actually calling the plays and you know then he goes to Washington he's the OC there for four years and he's calling all the plays there and he uh, did some things that hadn't been done there and then he goes to Cleveland and then he goes to Atlanta so I think you're always a product of your environment and what you've done and you know I think he's you know done a you know, great job and now he deserves his chance to put a team together. We're speaking with former head coach Mike Shanahan on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at @talkoffamenet. And Mike, um, you are, as we said, at the 49ers facility, and you're there this time not as the head coach or as the offensive coordinator. coordinator. Your, your son's the head coach. When did you realize, if in fact you did, that Kyle was on a track to following in your footsteps as a head coach? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked me that question because, you know, I never really thought we would coach together because he'd always, he had all, always asked me the question, hey, do you ever think we'll get a chance to do it? And I said, well, I don't think it's really fair to you unless uh, you're at a place and you're the offensive coordinator and you are calling the plays. And uh, I said, if you happen to get in the top five a couple years in a row, I said, that's the only time I would ever entertain the idea of, you know, you coming with me because you've proven that you know you could you know do that on your own i said if not you know people talk about nepotism and your son being on your staff regardless if it's a coordinator and we did that at houston and he wanted to come with me number one i was surprised that they were able to do it a couple years in a row and since he had done it uh, i thought it'd be a great opportunity for both of us to work together and it was a great experience for me and i'm glad that we had the opportunity to do it Mike, could you have done that if your father had been a successful head coach? Could you have done that, followed him to a place? Because as Goose said, that's a lot of pressure on somebody. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I I thought it was smarter for him to stay at Houston at that time because right. they had a better football team. They, you know, I says, hey, we're, it's going to be a rebuilding process for us. I said, you know, the Redskins are in a situation. He wanted he wanted a new experience, and uh, he wanted to, uh, you know, try something different. And I thought it was a great challenge for him. I'm not sure it was the right uh, decision to make at the time, but it turned out pretty good. Yeah, I'd say. Mike, when, when you went to Denver, you inherited a Hall of Fame quarterback 
you had a Hall of Fame quarterback in San Francisco. How tough is it for, for Kyle to go to a team where the, the next quarterback is somebody with no history at that place and mm -hmm. no history of success? Well, I'll be honest with you. you know, when, I, uh, when I went to San Francisco back in 90, 92, 93, 94, my first year here, um, they had offered me the head coaching job after we were 14-2 and two and lost in the playoffs at Dallas. And I decided to stay here because, uh, you know, at that time, San Francisco had won four Super Bowls in nine years. And there's a few things that I had asked uh, uh, for them to change if I went to Denver or if I'd go to Denver as a head coach. And uh, they didn't, uh, they would not put those in my contract. And when I decided to stay here, you know, everybody thought I was crazy not going back to Denver because they did have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, they you know, they had some pretty good years, but uh, I just liked the way San Francisco had done or ran an organization. I just thought it was my best interest to stay here. And uh, if given the opportunity to be a head coach again, because I did get fired, you know, from the Raiders after a year and four games, I said, I'm going to go into a situation where I think I have a chance to control my own destiny and a chance to win a Super Bowl. Because when I was with Denver, we had lost three Super Bowls in a seven-year time frame. So I was going to go to a football team unless I really thought that they had a chance to win. And I felt so good about the situation in San Francisco. So, you know, two years later, I had a chance to go back to Denver again and went back there in my terms. And, you know, we were able to have a little success. Mike, just curious on, uh, to follow up on what you just said there, but they wouldn't put some things in your contract that you were hoping for. Did that have more to do with autonomy? I mean, what was that? What was that about? Was it control? Well, what you well what you want to do is you know you, you were a head coach. I went to the Raiders, and you know you said, hey, if I ever get in that uh, position again, right. being a head coach, right. you know these are the things that I'm going to look for because after I was a you know, as a coordinator in uh, Denver, you know, we went to three Super Bowls over a four-year time frame, and, or I should say over a seven-year time frame, and all of a sudden you realize that unless you win the Super Bowl, um, nobody really cares. You know, you can get to the Super Bowl unless you win it. Uh, you can't separate yourself from the rest of the pack. So I decided that when I did get with a situation like San Francisco, a great organization that had won. Uh, you know, so many Super Bowls in a short time frame that I was with an organization that I could learn from. And if I was presented with the opportunity to be a head coach, that I was going to look for a few things that San Francisco has had done mm -hmm. that I'd be able to do in my next job and give myself a chance to win the Super Bowl. And I was fortunate enough to get it a couple years later, and, you know, th things turned out pretty good from there. And we're speaking with former head coach Mike Shanahan on the Talk of Fame Network. Uh, Mike, like, like you, of course, Kyle made that jump from offensive coordinator of a Super Bowl team, not a Super Bowl champion, but of a Super Bowl team, um, to becoming a head coach. And, um, and, and that's a big transition. How difficult is it to make that jump from an assistant uh, of a Super Bowl team to the head coach of a team that's struggling to get up? And, and what are the pitfalls you got to avoid? Well, I think, number one, you have to understand that, you know, to put to, to, to win a Super Bowl, that, you know, you have to you have to be the best in all different areas. So you got to put a heck of an organization together. It's just not your coaching staff. It's your GM, it's your player personnel, college and pro, your scouts, your equipment guy, your trainers, that everybody's got a role to do. And that's one of the things that I thought I learned when I went to San Francisco. I was kind of blown away with the organization that they had. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was one clear message that if you didn't win a Super Bowl, it was a failure. Yeah, that's right. And you had, you know, you had a leadership of, you know, at that time, Bill Walsh had won, George Seifert had won, you had Carmen Policy, you had Eddie DeBartolo, 
there was no question that, uh, hey, this is what we're going to have to do to win a Super Bowl. And anything less than that was a failure. You know, we lost to Dallas twice, and it felt like we, you know, had a five-win season. And finally, the third year, we were able to do it. And, you know, it was kind of a dream come true for everybody. But, uh, you know, any, the first two years, uh, even though we had a good year, it felt like complete failure. So the organization set its goals very high. And I think if you got that type of mindset and you've got, you know, you know what it takes to win a Super Bowl, I think that's what uh, both John Lynch and uh, obviously Kyle and uh, the Yorks, you know, you know, that's going to be their goal, and hopefully they'll get that done. Mike, what was the best Father's Day of your life? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that uh, anytime you you know do have a Father's Day, and it comes at you know different times of year, not really sure what you're doing with football. It's just being involved with your kids. You know, I've been fortunate enough, fortunate enough with Kyle and my daughter Crystal that uh, when you do get that day, it's pretty special. But I can name just one particular day, but just spending time with my kids is pretty special to me. This has got to be a pretty special weekend for you, though, Mike, isn't it? Being with your son and being with your son in his first trial as a head coach. You know, it really is, you know, to get a chance to come here, and especially after being away. I haven't done anything over here for the last four months. And then all of a sudden you get a chance to come here and watch what they've been able to do in free agency in the draft and right. how they want to run their practices and, you know, how the, you know what the scouts are doing and the organization. You know, it feels pretty good to watch because you can tell they're on top of it. There's always high expectations. We understand what's happened over the last, you know, two or three years. And there's one goal and there's one mission, and that's uh, get back on track and hopefully eventually get the job done, and that's winning the Super Bowl. Mark Shanahan, thanks so much for the time, and enjoy your time this weekend with Kyle. Clark, Rick, really enjoyed the conversation. Enjoyed being on the Talk of Fame Network. Thanks, Mike. That's former head coach Mike Shanahan. Up next, it's Mike's son, Kyle, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, this is Mike Shanahan, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Kyle is a dog trainer. Okay, Sid. Good boy. In his personal time, Kyle's a personal trainer. One, two, good. Kyle knows how to get results, but when it comes to mortgages, he's less confident. Guilty as charged. Fortunately, there's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. It's simple, so he can understand the details and know he's getting the right mortgage. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Go to rocketmortgage.com today. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. As a 300-foot-tall dino monster, people think all I'm good at is rampaging. But there's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Yeah, they could save you money, but they also have over 75 years of savings and service. So Geico is super good at insurance. And yeah, I like rampaging. But I'm also a huge fan of opera. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, the hip thing for businesses to do these days is target millennials. So it may sound sus coming from this baby boomer, but Motel 6 is a V-great place for your squad to stay woke or asleep. The updated rooms are hashtag blessed with contemporary floors, bedding, and flat screen TVs that are totally on fleek. 
Plus, their prices are always low AF. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll keep it lit for you. Book online at motel6.com. Mary, you're glowing gold. I know. I joined the Fuel Rewards program and got rewarded with instant gold status at Shell. And now your body radiates gold? Yes, and I save five cents a gallon on every fill every day. Five cents a gallon? Wow. And gold is all the rage this season. Oh, yeah. Get rewarded with instant gold status at Shell with the Fuel Rewards program. It's free to join. So join now at fuelrewards.com slash gold. Restrictions apply. Active gold status required. Introductory offer valid for six months after activation. Limit 20 gallons at participating Shell stations. See fuelrewards.com slash gold for full details. Doesn't actually turn bodies gold. A good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where MyPillow comes in, and now for a limited time, just go to MyPillow.com, click the Radio Listener Special tab, and use promo code SKY to get two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows, all for 50% off and free shipping. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825, 1-800-635-1825. I'm KFC's Extra Crispy Colonel, and you're the extra busy regular person who has to make dinner for a family of four. But you can shirk that responsibility because my Extra Crispy $20 fill-up from KFC contains eight pieces of freshly double-breaded Extra Crispy Chicken, Four biscuits, two orders of mashed potatoes, and a side of coleslaw for just $20. That'll feed them. KFC, it's extra crispy good. Pricing and participation may vary. Tax and substitutions extra. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you know something? You probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, with Father's Day coming up this weekend, we thought we'd check in with one of the most important father-son coaching combinations in the NFL, and that's the Shanahan's father, Mike, and of course, son, Kyle. Both are at the 49ers headquarters in Santa Clara this week. Mike as an observer, and Kyle, of course, is head coach of the 49ers. Kyle and Mike worked together in Washington, and Kyle was the offensive coordinator who led the Atlanta Falcons last year to record-setting numbers and their second-ever visit to the Super Bowl. Now he's in charge of resurrecting the 49ers. And Kyle, I once covered that team when your dad was offensive coordinator in 1994. Good luck, first of all, in your new endeavor. And secondly, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Kyle, first of all, uh, as I said, you're the son of a Super Bowl-winning head coach and the offensive coordinator on the Super Bowl-winning 49ers in 1994, and that's your dad, Mike. Uh, I know this is your first head coaching job, but being the son of a successful and hugely successful head coach and then coaching with him, does that give you an advantage in your first trial as a head coach? I don't know. I can't really – I'll tell you that maybe after this happens. But, um, you know, I think being a coach's son gives you advantage in the profession your whole life, you know, just growing up around it. You know, I was fortunate enough to where my dad was in the NFL the entire time and I was able to pick his brain about stuff even when I didn't realize I was. I was able – fortunate enough to be a ball boy throughout middle school and early in high school. And um, when I got to later in high school, just being able to work out with the teams and be around them my whole life. And you don't realize how big of an advantage it is until you get into coaching and you start to realize you understand the standards standard of the NFL and the expectations and um, you don't realize at the time but that you quickly learn that you've kind of been groomed to do this your whole life. Kyle, what's the best advice your dad passed on to you? Uh, you know, he's given me a lot, but you know, I think the thing that sticks with me the most 
is he's just always told me to be myself. You know, if you work hard, you prepare. Um, he's always told me just from being with me, he goes, you're good at what you do. Um, just work your hardest, be honest with people, and be yourself, and good things will happen. You know, a lot of uh, kids who have a famous dad tend to gravitate toward a different profession, you know, maybe or, or at least a different branch of it, maybe be a basketball coach instead of a, a football coach. How difficult is it to follow uh when your dad has been as successful as, as Mike had. And did you have any thoughts at any time in your life when you were younger about, well, maybe baseball's my game? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I tried them all. And, you know, my favorite my favorite sport to play was always basketball. I just, you know, I was better at football and definitely got better coaching at football. My dad struggled to help me out in basketball. Um, <laughs> but, he, um, you know, what I loved about football so much was watching it. You know, I did enjoy playing it, but not, not like basketball, but just growing up watching it my whole life. And um, I think... You know, the first NFL game I can ever remember watching was when I was five years old, and my mom would always have um, get-togethers when the teams were on the road, and I'd usually play tag and stuff outside and never watch the games. But I remember when I was five years old coming inside because it just seemed like a big deal and watching a game with my mom and all her friends, and it was it was the drive when um, the Broncos came back and beat the, the Browns, and that was the first game I really got into because I could just feel the emotion of my mom, and it was the first time I missed the, game, the games outside with all the little kids and ever since then I've been going every single game and been locked in it and it's just something I pay attention to my whole life so it's been nice to I feel very blessed to be around it. You were watching that game at five years old and, and Clark and Goose and I were trying to come up with leads in the press box so you're making <laughs> us feel true. older. I'm going to go lay down and take a nap right now. <laughs> That's true. Wow. That's true. Five. Yeah, Holy cow. Yeah, you saw a pretty good one. Boy, I mean that, that is one that if you're a Denver fan you don't forget that game. No, it's funny. That was that year and I remember the next year the, the I went to the playoff game because the AFC championship again and mm-hmm. it was too cold for me to sit in the stands which I don't feel very tough about now but I was only six so my mom made me um, and she I remember she took me down to the locker room and put me in with a bunch of security guards so I remember hanging out with like three security guards in a small room watching the Ernest Biner fumble the next year so <laughs> wow. it's been a big part of my life and it's um, and I want to take anything back for it we're speaking with San Francisco head coach Kyle Shanahan on this Father's Day edition of the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at talkoffamenet. And Kyle, just wondering, um, growing up with your dad, uh, what did you learn about coaching? Uh, you said you were in the stands sometimes, uh, or you'd hear the groans as well as the cheers for the team your, your dad coached. Probably heard some things that your mom wouldn't like you to hear, but what did you learn about that job and that profession if you were in attendance at a game and you heard some people around you? Uh, yeah, I've learned it my whole life. I can remember being, I don't know exact what age, I want to say seven because it was definitely um, before 10, but I remember a guy talking a bunch during the game and I yelled at him as a little kid and I remember him throwing beer on me at the end of the game. So, and I wasn't able to do anything about it. So it's, I started to learn, you know, at a young age, like there's, you know, there's people love the sport and I love that being a son of a coach and around it and people get very into it and man, I, I get into it. So I get it. I would live and die it just as a young kid watching it. And so you see that with everyone and you got, you just got to, it's, everyone tells you what to do but it's hard but you gotta not take it personally you gotta understand people are into this that's what makes it so special um people care so much about it that um there's going to be a lot of bad that comes with the good but um it's worth it we enjoy it and i think that's what makes it so fun and there's a lot of hours you put into coaching but um that 
being able to go go to Sunday and compete at something and to really find out a lot about yourself, I think that's that's harder to find in other sports and I think that's or in other jobs and I think that's what makes it special about the job I'm fortunate enough to have. When that guy threw the beer on you, did your mother take it personally? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, she did. She didn't see it happen and eventually she just looked over and saw me crying and soaking wet and the guy had gone out of there too fast but she went after him and I'm glad she didn't find him. I'm, I don't know what would have happened. Probably wouldn't have been too good. <laughs> hey Kyle, how old were you when you decided this is what I want to do? And also, if uh, you weren't coaching, what would you be doing? I think, um, you know, my whole life I always wanted to. I mean, I, I lived and died football, so it wasn't. You know, my grades suffered a little bit for that. It was, you know, that was definitely the most important thing in my life. And my parents always raised me, telling me, "Hey, don't be a coach. Don't be a coach." And it's the same thing I'm going to tell my son because if coaching isn't as all glamorous like people think it is, you got to move a lot. You got to go through a lot of, you know, a lot of bad times. Everyone's going to get fired. You're going to have to move your family you're going to have to tell your first grader she's moving and she's not going to understand why so there's a lot of ups and downs with it but um my parents always told me not to get into it but once they realized i wanted to i think um, my dad was pretty um, flattered that i wanted to fall after him and so what i've always just looked at is i tried to stay out of it um never said for sure i was going to get into it but i did everything i could to play i tried starting in high school my number one goal in life was to get a scholarship and then once i did and then my number one goal in life was to play at um texas and then it was to try to get a chance to play in the NFL. And uh, I, I worked very hard to try to do that, and I think it got me as far as it could. And once I was honest with myself and realized I wasn't going to make a career out of a pl- being a player, um, and I said, all right, now what do I want to do? Well, I love football and I want to coach. And right when I said that, I kind of realized that's what I had wanted to do my whole life. And I started getting into coaching right away. And right when I graduated, I went to UCLA as a graduate assistant. And I quickly learned that I was definitely a much more talented coach than I was a player. <laughs> it was a lot easier. What did uh, uh, you make that jump that, that everybody makes at some point uh, if they're going to be a head coach from the assist, being an assistant to being the boss? What has your dad if, uh, told you about about that jump and the difference between the two jobs? And what do you think the biggest difference will be? Uh, I think you just I just got to be real good with how I organize my time. You know, I know why I got this job, and it's because I did a good job as offensive coordinator. And I was, you know, I, I don't want to lose that. And I want to be able to bring to a team what I always have from an offensive standpoint. But uh, at the same time, you got to realize your number one responsibility isn't the offense. It's the entire team. So just being able to organize myself better, um, you know, you really you got to delegate a lot of things. You gotta, it's so important to get people around you that you know, that you trust, who know what you want to coach, um, so you don't feel like you got to have to do everything. And I've been in a good spot where, you know, after the Super Bowl, getting a late start, I was really worried about this, getting the staff together, but I was still able to get pretty much everyone that I wanted. And I've got a bunch of guys that I've worked with before, a bunch of good coaches to where I don't have to sit there and do everything. You know, there's there's guys that were on the same page, and uh, a guy can go run this meeting where I'm needed somewhere else. And, and the same thing on the field because uh, when you're the, you're the head coach you're responsible for everything so but you also can't do everything so you got to be able to have a pretty good knowledge of football where you understand x's and o's on both sides of the ball and on special teams and wherever you're needed you can go give that energy and 
Um, in order to do that, you got to trust everyone else on your staff that the areas you're not looking at, um, you got the right guys making sure it's being done the right way. Hey, Kyle, I want to ask you a question about the team you're, you're coaching now. I mean, when your dad went to the Super Bowl with Denver, of course, he had John Elway as his quarterback. And when he was in San Francisco in 94, he had Steve Young. You, of course, had Matt Ryan as your quarterback last year in Atlanta, and, and you went to the, the Super Bowl as well. I, I, I don't like being blunt here. I apologize, but I, I will be. How do you get to the top with Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley, and, and what is it about them that you like? Uh, I don't think you look at necessarily getting the top. Right? That's not the first question you ask. It's, you know, it's just the process of putting the team together the best way you can every single day. And the whole goal is to get to the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, you just got to win two time, two games, sometimes three games to get to the Super Bowl. And so, so what gives your team a chance to get there? And um, you, you got to find that guy through the draft or through free agency. So when we got here, we looked into both situations. Um, you know, we didn't feel all we needed to add was a quarterback. We thought we had, you know, we're taking over a 2-14 and 14 team and you know they were 31st and 32nd on offense and defense last year so we, we knew we had to add a bunch of players so we look into free agency and um, you look at the best guys available and I thought we got those guys and when you look at starting with Brian um, you got a guy who knows how to play the position he stays in the pocket he's not scared of the rush he'll keep his eyes downfield and he can execute an offense delivering the ball to people um, and I saw I see it the same with Barkley hasn't had as much playing time as Hoyer but I thought he did have his best year with Chicago in the few games that he got in before he got hurt. So I like looking at guys who, who can run an offense. And when you got guys who can run an offense and put the ball the right spot and attack coverages, then it's about building the team around them. And, you know, in our situation here, starting with free agency and then going into the draft, I, I feel we've done a real good job of that with um, John Lynch and, his, um, and all the people upstairs in the personnel department. I think we've turned over this team as much as we can here and um, just a few months we've been together. And, and we plan on always doing that. And we're going to always look for the best guy. Got a lot of confidence in Brian. I have a lot of confidence in Matt Barkley. Um, got a lot of confidence in C.J. Beathard, who we drafted, and Nick Mullins, who got us a free agent. So I think we got a bunch of guys here that's given some good competition. I already feel that we've improved our team just going through OTAs and hope to stay healthy here with the next week and a half that we got left and come into training camp and hopefully we can build everyone together. But I know our quarterbacks are definitely not going to take us to the playoffs on, on their own, and I know the rest of the team's not either. It's everyone playing together, give us a chance to get into that tournament, and then we'll just worry about one day at a time. Kyle, back when Ron Clark and I started covering this game in the 70s, the five-year plans were popular. What's your timetable? <laughs> I don't really look at that. Um, you know, that's why you hope you're, you're going to a good situation. You know, I know you know, everyone would love to go take over a team that you f feel is so ready. And, um, you know, I, I, obviously taking over a 2-14 team, that's not what you would say. But after spending that time with the owner, going through the interview process, him allowing um, me and um, John Lynch, the general manager, to come in together um, to get the contracts we've gotten, which really doesn't mean anything, but it, it shows a, a commitment that we're trying to do it the right way, and we're trying to build this the right way. We know we do have some time to – we do know we have to um, add those pieces, but what I like is you feel that we got people who are making the right decisions and are going to have it, give us a chance to do it the right way. Now, with that being said – I, I'm trying every – I want to compete every year. But you never want to compete in one year at the expense of your future. And so when I feel the situation that the Yorks have given us, we can make the right decisions. And I'm always going to be try, try to be an aggressive type of decision maker where you make the decision that improves your team right away, but never at the expense of the future. And that's what we're trying to do through this process. Kyle Shanahan, 
thanks so much for the time and best of luck in your new job. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for having me on. It was fun to talk about it. Thanks. thanks that was San Francisco head coach Kyle Shanahan. Up next, it's Kyle's dad, Mike. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hey, this is Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hi, this is Morton Anderson, and you're listening to Rick, Ron, and Clark of the Talk of Fame Network. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Well, we're almost through the first half with our new format. And guys, let me ask you, you know what this sound means? Yes, sir. It's Mike Pereira on the two-minute warning. Goose, you have this week's two-minute drill brought to you by Burger King, home with Burger King breakfast. So, Goose Man, let's get going. Let's go into Burger King. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Austin Davis, or Colin Kaepernick? Austin Powers doesn't throw interceptions, and it's 3-0 versus Dr. Evil. A Harvard-educated armored rifle like Fitzpatrick packs more firepower than two guys combined. As Brian is trying to recruit Daryl Rivas as a teammate this offseason, is Dallas up big enough for those two egos? No, sir, Goose. It's not big enough for Jerry Jones's ego. Yosemite is not big enough for those two egos, Goose. Speaking of the Cowboys, who has the better sophomore season, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz? Prescott. That's because, Goose, he'll win at least four games. Dak. Stuart Scott, when I put it, he's as cool as the other side of the pillow, and I like cool over hot and cold. Detroit left tackle Taylor Decker suffered a torn labrum in OTAs that is expected to sideline him for up to six months. So remind me again, what's the point of football in June? Well, Goose, because I'm in San Diego, I'll tell you this. It keeps us from watching the Padres. Goose, remind me how he got that happening to him if there's no contact. Did he pancake himself? Green Bay coach Mike McCarthy has excused his vets of six or more seasons from attending the club's mandatory minicamp. Does that make him the early frontrunner for NFL Coach of the Year? It does if vets of six or more seasons are doing the voting. No, it makes him the co-leader for Humanitarian of the Year. Just ask Taylor Decker. Jeremy Macklin signed with Baltimore this week. Can the Ravens now start printing up playoff tickets? Yes, sirree, and they can mail them to Pittsburgh. I can think of no reason why signing Jeremy Macklin would inspire you to start printing anything but agate in the transaction. Patrick Peterson, Adrian Peterson, or Norm Peterson? Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Wow. Patrick Peterson, he can still play, but hopefully not as a punt returner. Well, that is the end of the first half, but don't go anywhere. We have John Clayton and Steelers linebacker James Harrison coming up in the second hour. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Greta is a drill instructor. On your feet and negotiate this obstacle. Yes, ma'am. When it comes to training lean, mean, fighting machines, she doesn't mess around. I do not have all day, people. But in her free time, Greta's an amazing poet, and she knows it. The green grass, it whispers to me like an ancient firefly. 
Look at her throw those verses with confidence. But when it comes to getting a mortgage, Greta's less confident. Uh, a little help here? Fortunately for Greta, there's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. It's simple, so she can understand the details and know she's getting the right mortgage. My confidence. It's returned like a jealous lover on a rainy night. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Go to rocketmortgage.com today. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. And MLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. Did Hall of Fame catcher Johnny Bench ever have to make a game-saving catch? Or two? Of course I did. One being Blue Emu. I'm Johnny Bench. And instead of sitting on the couch due to tired muscles and joints, Blue Emu has kept me in the game and active for nearly a decade. Off the field, of course. <laughs> it's simple. All you have to do is rub it on. It works fast. It's non-greasy and odor-free. Trust me, if it works for me, it'll work for you. Available in stores nationwide. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are in the driver's seat in complete control in life and on the road. Your driving record is impeccable, and for this, you are greatly rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive. You use your savings to buy a world's best driver t-shirt. It runs a little small. The more righteous you drive, the more you can save with Snapshot from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in most states or from all agents. This is the Talk of Fame Network. What the hell are we waiting on? Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Do you want it or not? Rick Gosselin. Do you understand there's a price to pay? And Clark Judge. Can we have fun? You're damn right. I demand that we have fun. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Gillette. That would be the sponsor of Ron's favorite stadium. 40 million Americans wake up to a Gillette shave. And Gillette is working to bring you America's number one shave at lower prices. Go to GilletteOnDemand.com and get your first and fourth orders free. Hey, welcome back to hour number two of the new and hopefully, hopefully improved Talk of Fame Network. I'm Clark, along with Rick and Ron. In this hour, you're going to hear from ESPN's John Clayton, as well as Pittsburgh linebacker James Harrison. But first, uh, Ron, you're still in... uh, Wisconsin, where are you? The rain has yes, stopped coming beautiful. down. Well, yeah, beautiful. Rain capital of America. Aaron. There you go. You're on the cell phone because all the power is out. Gooseman, you're in Dallas. What's going on with the Cowboys? I'm talking about Des Bryant and Darrell Revis. What's going on there? No, Des is playing GM. It doesn't seem to matter to Des that the Cowboys <laughs> selected three quarterbacks with relatively high draft picks in April. You know, I'm sure Des will be willing to donate part of his salary so that the Cowboys can ante up the money to sign the 32-year-old corner whose best days are behind him. Hey, Des, focus on catching the ball, not building the roster. Ouch, Gooseman, bringing the heat. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Ouch. Wow. As our local Raiders honk and favorite Raiders honk in Wisconsin now, what do you make of this attorney telling Sports Business Journal, uh, you know what, there's a possibility of uh, litigation to keep the Raiders in Oakland? Huh? Litigation? Raiders? Come on, Ron. That can't be right. Yeah. What I'd say, Clark, is he's a lawyer, so there's always <laughs> possible litigation. That's how they drive those big cars around all over town, unlike our little Toyota Corollas, you know? Uh, by the, they convince people there's always possible litigation. But if you say to them, your possible fee is tied to me possibly winning, suddenly they're not so interested in litigation. Gooseman, one other question here. Sorry to cut you off there, Ron, but uh, could you do me a favor and make sense of this? Michael Vick, Rodney White, one-day retirement in Atlanta. Um, each could have their jerseys retired, really? I mean, I understand Rodney White, or Roddy White, is the team's all-time leading receiver, but Vick? Come on, Goose. 
Well, when you're a team without a history, no championships, and just two homegrown Hall of Famers in 50 years, you do your best to fabricate one. Honor them now, because in a few years, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones will make all of Atlanta forget there ever was a quarterback or a wide receiver that came before them. You are correct, sir. That's why you're Dr. Data. Well, listen, stay tuned, because you'll be hearing more and reading more all about all this as time goes on. But us, we're out of time and going to break. When we return, it's with John Clayton of ESPN. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hey, this is Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Kyle is a professional dog trainer. Sit down. Roll over. Good. When it comes to canine obedience, he's your best friend's best friend. Such a good girl. And in his personal time, Kyle's a personal trainer. Nice work on those planks, guys. Now roll over and give me 25 push-ups. One, two, good. Hey, keep that caboose down. You see, no matter who or what he trains, Kyle knows how to get results. But when it comes to mortgages, he's less confident. Guilty as charged. Fortunately for Kyle, there's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. It's simple, so he can understand the details and know he's getting the right mortgage. I like it, people. Who wants a treat? Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Go to rocketmortgage.com today. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Tell you what we're not kidding you about. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Gillette. 40 million Americans wake up to a Gillette shave, and Gillette is working to bring you America's number one shave at lower prices. Go to GilletteOnDemand.com and get your first and fourth orders free. Hey, our next guest needs no introduction. You know him as that head-banging professor from ESPN. Of course, we know him as a friend and Hall of Fame voter. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John. John, thanks for coming back. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing great. Hey, John, first things first, let's get this out of the way. Can, can you clarify your situation? I mean, the Internet says you're no longer with ESPN. Then it says, well, no, as a matter of fact, you are. So are you or aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm still technically an ESPN employee full-time between now and 2020. So really, for three years, I remain at ESPN. The only difference in the equation is I don't have to contribute at the moment. And so it's kind of an unusual thing that, uh, you know, with the 100 people that were affected like this, you know, I have a contract that they're honoring, uh, perfectly available to do something when needed. But at the moment, and at, uh, indefinitely or probably for three years, you know, I still remain full-time ESPN, but I don't have to do anything. So it's kind of a <laughs> unique situation, but that's what that's it is. That's a pretty good gig. That's a good yeah, teacher. And, and then what's also nice about this, and again, you know, I, I can only thank the people at ESPN for what it's been like and you know, what happens in the future and all that stuff because they've been so good to me and continue to be good to me. But you know, I have the, uh, my local show in Seattle from 10 to 12 
Pacific Time, which is on uh, 710 ESPN Seattle. Then I have uh, Sirius. I'm the main fill-in with, uh, you know, moving the chains with Pat Kerwin. So when Chris Miller, out, for example, this week, Chris is going to be out Thursday and Friday, so Pat and I will be doing the show Moving the Chains on Sirius. So that will be good, and I've got a whole bunch of those coming up. And there's some other things that are in the works, too. But uh, I've got plenty to do, and, again, nothing but thanks for ESPN. But technically, I don't know what you call me. Do you call me laid off? Do you call me pushed aside? You call Whatever it is you call me. But, again, I'm still called ESPN because I'm still full-time. Hey, John, minus all the travel, are you going to become Seahawks-centric these days? In, in what regard, say, Seahawks-centric? Well, you got the local radio show. Is, are the Seahawks yeah. your, your, your bailiwick now? Or that, that's your, your, your call? No, no, no I still stay national. I mean, again, it's like, uh, you know, uh, there's limitations with the way that the contract uh, is and the full-time status that uh, I can, you know, again, it's like, there's limitations on what I can do new, but what I've been doing from before, it currently exists. So I'm still going to go to the owners' meetings. I'm still going to go to uh, the draft. I'm still going. I mean, I may not have to go to the draft, but uh, you know, I may have to do a little bit more local stuff. But again, I still stay national. So I'm not not really a local guy. But whatever they let me do, in addition to my full-time status at ESPN, that's still to be determined. Well, John, you're local in this respect. You're about what? A 10-minute walk from the, the Seahawks facility? Yeah, about 10 minutes, right next. Wow, door. and you, and and you were over there today, right? I was over there to do a uh, interview with Blair Walsh, the kicker, and then okay. they have an afternoon uh, mini, mini camp that I'll I'll walk over to. Okay, so you know that team as well, if not better than most. What in the world is going on there? I mean, is there a civil war going? On? I mean, do you believe there's a rift? Is are, are things beginning to crumble under Pete Carroll? I mean, what is going on? What's going on is really kind of a five-year history of guys that uh, kind of go, they're, they're brothers, they're tight, but what ends up happening is that sometimes there's some little internal spats. And so because of that, uh, you know, when you put the anecdotes together, it sounds and feels much worse than it really is. And mm-hmm. so because of that, uh, you know, the story that Seth Wickersham did for ESPN was sensational, did a lot of great reporting, but when you clump it all together, it sounds a little bit worse than what you think. But overall, I mean, this is a very tight team. It's always been a tight team. Team. And remember, they won a Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos on the eve of that game. Golden Tate uh, was watching as uh, Parsi Harbin body slammed Golden Tate. And so, uh, you know, they have their little spats, but also they come up with a lot of wins. Well, speaking of winners, we're with Hall of Fame voter John Clayton on ESPN on the Talk of Fame Network. And you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at talkoffamenet. And John, staying with the Seahawks, um, what was behind all that? Richard Sherman chatter in the offseason. I mean, were the Seahawks trying to send him a message, or, they, or were they actually interested in trying to deal him? No, they were, they were trying to send a message. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. But, uh, in fact, I would imagine that uh, you know, before the offseason program ends, Richard Sherman's going to talk. And he talked a little bit last week in a story that uh, came out on USA Today. But what, what, what it was is that uh, Richard still hasn't gotten over the loss of the Super Bowl. The play at the one-yard line, which he thought should be a run, turned out to be a pass and interception. He hasn't gotten over it yet. And so because of that, there's some bitterness. And so, like, for example, at, uh, at the one game last year, you had uh, him watch Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, call a pass play at the one-yard line that did not work, and he started yelling at Daryl Bevel, Pete Carroll, you name it. And so uh, Richard is a 
intelligent guy, he's an emotional guy, and he doesn't take losses hard. And so what ends up happening, he gets too emotional in these things. And again, that's part of the reasons he's so good at what he does, but also it now causes some conflicts. And so he's always asking the team to you know, get better players and do this and do this and do this. And so it wasn't like he came in and asked for a trade. What he did is all these conversations, they said, would, you, would it be better if you get out of here? It's like, well, I don't know. And so they shopped him around, and they were serious, but they knew that they weren't going to get a one and a three or a one and a four, so there was never going to be a trade. And so it was one of those exercises where you know he gets the message that he is – like, you know, he can be vulnerable, but also he still wants to be here. Even at the start, when they started, the story came out, he only said there was about a 5% chance it was going to be a trade. Does When and does emotion become a distraction? Uh, it did last year. I mean, you've uh, a couple instances. I mean, what, for example, he got into it with one of the local radio people, Jim Moore, uh, threatening to take away his press pass. I mean, he shouted at the defensive coaches at different times. That's a distraction, and that's why, in many ways, you know, if there was a trade offer that they would consider the one and the three and the one and the four, he would have been traded. But also, he's too valuable to the team. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. NFL Network, you know, put him at the 21st spot, and you know, he's so critical to what this defense needs but uh, you know it becomes a distraction and so now you address it and hope it goes away but at the moment you know until he addresses it uh, it probably is not going to go away uh, how do you see the NFC West shaking out can anyone push uh, pretty these much guys? Seattle I mean because when you think about it they've got about 13 Pro Bowl players on the team now they've added two young players who you don't know are going to make it back to the Pro Bowl and Eddie Lacy and a Blair Walsh the kicker uh, so they have 13 Pro Bowl players, you know, eight of the top 100 players, and they've now drafted on offense one year and defense this past year. So they're going to be a little bit deeper. Their offseason has been one where, unlike other teams, they've added and not subtracted. They've added about 10 players on one-year contracts. They're going to be a little bit better on the offensive line. They figure that the running game is going to be better, and if that's the case and their defense can at least resolve some cornerback issues, then uh, they should be right up near, near the top with Green Bay, Dallas, Atlanta, and some of the top teams in the NFC. So they're still a premier club in your mind? Yes, no question. Yeah, okay. The difference is they're not like the 2013-2014 team that was completely loaded, a team that you knew once you saw it on the field it was going to win 12 or 13 games. They've dropped down in the last two years into the 10-win level. Now they've got an easier schedule this year. The division, other than Arizona, should not be too hard, so they should come out of it. But if they can get to the 12-13 win level with the easier schedule, it puts them in a good spot because then they can get home games. Hey, John, give, give us your memories of Cortez Kennedy. Uh, you know, it, it was touching because, I mean, when I, that was my first combine in 1990. And I went there, and, of course, we had this relationship where I'd call him Big Dog, he'd call me Big Dog. And then in 1992, on one of the worst teams in NFL history, third worst team in NFL history for offense, he had 14 sacks and was the defensive player of the year. It was unbelievable, but he was dominating and a great person. John Boy. I want to thank you for the time, Big Dog. Hey, now you're free. You, to, now you're free to go back to Twisted Sister. I got to tell you, that's one of the best commercials I've ever seen. Slayer, Slayer, you, Slayer. Oh, in the headphones. It was tremendous, John. It was fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for the memories. And then you know what? Best of luck with whatever you get into. Okay, I'll be fine. Thanks, John. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Thanks, we'll be we'll looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks. That was Hall of Fame voter John Clayton of ESPN. Up next, it's ageless linebacker James Harrison of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening 
to the Talk of Fame Network. This is James Harrison of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is also brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Hey, Ron Borges. Yes, sir. You know what it means when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you get a, if you were on that computer 15 minutes ago, you can take the day off. Smart man. It means you should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. So go, listen to Ron Borges. Our next guest is also a smart man. That's James Harrison. He's one of the most extraordinary success stories in NFL history. Undrafted out of Kent State, 2002, James was cut four times by NFL teams, three by Pittsburgh, once by Baltimore, before emerging as one of the league's biggest and best defensive stars. James not only has been a fixture, an outside linebacker on a Pittsburgh defense has gone to three Super Bowls. He set a Super Bowl record with a 100-yard interception return in one of them. He's been voted to five Pro Bowls, was the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year in 2008, holds the Steelers' all-time sack record, and now, at the age of 39, is entering his 15th NFL season in 2017. And, and more importantly, his first interview with us. Hey, James, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, first off, James, who's the greatest athlete ever produced by the city uh, of Akron, yourself or LeBron James? On that <laughs> question, I'm going to have to say athlete requires more than one sport. So I couldn't say it was him, and I couldn't say it was me. So if you say who's the best basketball player to ever come out of Akron, I would definitely have to say LeBron James. <laughs> if you were to say who's the best football player to come out of Akron, I would have to sit back and see who else has played out of Akron. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> football, I'd say you. I'd say you. Be, That's a pretty good be start. pretty safe. Well, James, yeah, NFL players – <laughs> I wouldn't argue with Ron either. As you know, NFL players really don't last usually until the age of 39, unless you're uh, Tom Brady, I guess. But especially those who play such a physical brand of football as you do. What do you attribute your longevity to? What's the secret? Prayer. Lots of prayer. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm highly, uh, highly favored, and uh, I'm, I'm really blessed, um, you know, just to be able to do what I do. And, uh, you know, along with that, um, I, do a, I do a little something to try and aid along the way. You know, I prepare myself, you know, to, uh, to go out there and, and take advantage of that. Um, like Coach LeBeau, you know, always, you know, has always told me, he said, I want you to go out there and, and I want you to play and prepare yourself as if everything depends on you. But I want you to pray as if everything depends on God. And with those two things, you can't go wrong. In what ways, if any, are you a better player today at 39 than, say, you were at 25 or so? Uh, are you a lot smarter football player? A lot smarter, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, each year, uh, you know, you got to come in and, and prove all the naysayers wrong. Um, you know, the older you get, you know, the more doubts they have. And uh, the older you get, it's not like you're going to get any faster. Um, I've been blessed to actually be able to get stronger, though. So um, I think my strength is something that has really helped me, you know, over the course of time that has actually gotten better along with my knowledge. Well, James, and, and we're speaking with Pittsburgh linebacker James Harrison on the Talk of Fame Network. But, James, at, at this point of your career, haven't you proven everyone wrong? I mean, what's there left to prove? You've been to Super Bowls. You've been an NFL defensive player of the year. What's left to prove in your career? I'm 39 years old, and I'm out here playing football. Um you know, that's something, like you said, that, that, that doesn't happen, especially at my position. I want to prove people wrong that, you know, it can happen and you can go out there and, and be successful at doing it. 
I'm wondering, I've, I've been around pro football for longer than I want to admit, I don't know, 45 years, or seen a lot of players, and sort of developed a kind of belief that in a lot of ways, unless you have a major injury that just changes everything, in a lot of ways the player's mind tends to go before his abilities. He loses interest in preparation, like you talked about, those kind of things. How have you sort of been able to continue to prepare yourself you know, week after week, watching films of teams you've seen 50 times before and players you've seen many, many times before and kept convincing yourself that, no, I need to go in and do this again. I, like I said, I, I do the I do the same thing I did when I, you know, I eventually made the squad, like my, uh, my, second, my second or third year in. I sit there and I go through each defense and I get my alignment assignment. I, I, you know, I actually sit there and study, like really study. I break out flashcards. You know, I do all that. I do all the stuff that I did, you know, 15 years ago. I still do that to this day. Um, once we start OTAs, I'm back in the book. Um, you know, every night I'm in my book two, three hours a night. Even though I know the defense, I'm still trying to understand and learn what everybody is doing. So that way I can better help myself and help the defense be better. What is it about, if I could, what is, what is it about the game? Obviously you have a fascination with the game itself, with the playing of the game, understanding of the game. What is it about football that has grabbed you and held you for so long? Competition. I, I, I love to compete. Um I want to go out there and, and and try and enforce my will on someone. Um, I want them to uh, do what it is that you know they don't want to do, and I want to accomplish my job over them accomplishing theirs. You know, it's uh, it's just a competitive nature, I guess, and I, I love to compete. We're speaking with Pittsburgh linebacker James Harrison on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at talkoffamenet. And, James, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the introduction, you were cut four times, uh, three times by the Steelers and once by the Ravens. I'm just wondering, uh, did there ever come a point in, in your life or your career when you thought, you know what, might be time to move on, might be time to move on with my life? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, was the, it was the last time that I got cut by, uh, I got cut by the Ravens. I did NFL Europe. They sent me to NFL Europe. I did that. I uh, came back. I was there for like maybe, couldn't have been no more than maybe a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I practiced maybe one or two times, and they ended up releasing me because they needed to pick up a tight end. Funny story. The tight end they picked up is a guy that I played with in uh, NFL Europe, Daniel Wilcox. So, you know, he oh, yeah. caused me excited. Uh, he's like, hey, man, I'm going to see you in Baltimore. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, they just picked me up. And I said, well, they just released me to pick you up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Do, so do you remind that. the Ravens every time you face them that uh, this is what you missed, guys? No, no. It's, they, they didn't get a chance to really see me do anything. I, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't get an opportunity to even really practice with them, you know, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, like I said, once I, you know, I got to that, that point where they had released me, I'm like, you know what, you know, if I don't get picked up by anybody – then I'm going to go ahead and, and just get a regular job like everybody else. And, you know, it was like maybe a week or two before training camp started. Clark Higgins broke his hand, and uh, they gave me the opportunity that I needed. And to be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, playing for Pittsburgh. I was going out there to audition for 31 other teams because, you know, I've been there three four times, and they released me all up. So um, my mindset going in was that, you know, i got to go out here and play the best I can play so that's when I actually you know I sat down I took the time to be a professional I started studying uh, learning the plays um you know I learned how to play right outside left outside Mac and Buck that's both inside positions so 
I would go from one quarter playing right, next quarter playing left, the other quarter playing Mac, the next quarter playing Buck. You know, and I, I made myself, uh, you know, learn everything so that even though I felt like I wasn't going to make it with them, I felt like it gave me a better opportunity for 31 other teams that was looking at that film to, you know, have a chance at seeing me play my at my best. When that moment came and you made the team, do you remember, you know, what your reaction was? Were you elated? It was, it was no reaction, to be honest with you, man, because I made the team in, you know, in 2003 on, on Monday. Um, you know, we practiced Monday. I made the team. You know, you're off on Tuesday. Came in Wednesday, practiced, and they released me that day. So it was just, okay, I made it this day, you know. And it was the next day was, all right, I finished that day. I got home. I made it that day. I'm living day to day. Wow. So, James, let's say you've, you had a brief stay with the Ravens. I mean, sort of a stay. But you also spent a season with the Cincinnati Bengals. So you played with everyone in the AFC North except Cleveland. Now, we've had players on here, Heinz Ward, for instance, from the Steelers, who tell us, how much they they hate the Ravens, and we've had players from the Ravens, Ray Lewis, for instance, tell us how much they hate the Steelers. You've seen the rivalries from three sides now. What makes that division so ultra competitive? It's a it's a genuine dislike for each other, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but you know, at the end of it, it's 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 a respect for each other because of the game that we play. Um, but you know, like I said, when we're out there, it's it's a genuine. You know, guys truly don't like other guys, and uh, you know. When you when you get that going, you you want to try and do your best to you know to dominate that person. Other than Ben Roethlisberger, if you had to pick one quarterback for your team, so in other words, the guy maybe you respect the most or the guy who's giving you the most trouble, you have one quarterback to pick for your say pickup team right now. Who would it be? I hate to say it too. That damn Tom Brady. <laughs> you can't blame you. Yeah, can't blame you. Can't blame you. Can't you. Go wrong there. You cannot blame you. But, uh, but I know what how you is feel. It, what is it about Brady that you admire or respect or uh, just like? I mean, he has a great understanding of, of the game. You know, he reads it, he sees it, he knows where, where the ball needs to go. And, uh, you know, he does a good job of getting the ball there. He does a great job of getting the ball there. You know, like I said, if I can't have Ben, uh, that would be my only other choice. James, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, good luck with the season and best of luck with the rest of your career. I just wonder, you, are you going to plan on playing until you're 50? You're going to make it to 40. How about 50? No, <laughs> no. No, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I want to play till forty. You know, I, I, I really do. You know, want to play till. I mean, till fifty. I, I really do want to play till I'm till I'm forty. Um, right. Maybe try and try and get to forty-one. Try and push it a little bit. But uh, yeah, fifty is definitely not a number that I, I would be looking forward to. Plus, well, I call. told my son that you know I would let him play a little bit of contact football, and uh, I'm gonna have to hold up to that in the next year or two. So. Good. Yeah, I was one. You know, that's an interesting question that you raised. Do you? A lot of players have reservations about that, about allowing their their sons to to play because you know I, what I'm it not, is. I'm not gonna lie and say that I'm I'm all in for it. Um, but if if he wants to play, I'm definitely not gonna take it from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it, it football is treating me very very good. Um, you know, it's it's uh things that come along with it. You know, along the lines of assumption of risk. Um, you know, certain risks that come with certain certain uh, job uh, titles. You know, police officers go out there to protect people. They hope they get home every night, but some some don't make it. Um, you know, I go out there, I play football. I hope uh, nothing goes wrong later in life. But um, you know, some guys have, have issues. Um, you know, I do everything that I can as far as taking care of my body and and uh, doing uh you know uh, things that are going to hopefully help me to uh, not have those issues. But um, you know. 
know, that's that's the uh, luck of the draw, so to speak. Hey, James, thanks so much for stopping by with us, as I said, and uh, best of luck with the season. Thank you. That was Pittsburgh linebacker and Asia star James Harrison. Whew, man, he's 39. Wow. Keeps on going. Now it's time to hear from a couple of other Asia stars. That would be our Rick Oslin and Ron Borges. They're coming up next. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Kyle is a dog trainer. Okay, Sid. Good boy. In his personal time, Kyle's a personal trainer. One, two, good. Kyle knows how to get results, but when it comes to mortgages, he's less confident. Guilty as charged. Fortunately, there's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. It's simple, so he can understand the details and know he's getting the right mortgage. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Go to rocketmortgage.com today. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. As a 300-foot-tall dino monster, people think all I'm good at is rampaging. But there's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Yeah, they could save you money, but they also have over 75 years of savings and service. So Geico is super good at insurance. And yeah, I like rampaging. But I'm also a huge fan of opera. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, the hip thing for businesses to do these days is target millennials. So it may sound sus coming from this baby boomer, but Motel 6 is a V-great place for your squad to stay woke or asleep. The updated rooms are hashtag blessed with contemporary floors, bedding, and flat-screen TVs that are totally on fleek. Plus, their prices are always low AF. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll keep it lit for you. Book online at motel6.com. Mary, you're glowing gold. I know. I joined the Fuel Rewards program and got rewarded with instant gold status at Shell. And now your body radiates gold? Yes, and I save five cents a gallon on every fill every day. Five cents a gallon? Wow. And gold is all the rage this season. Oh, yeah. Get rewarded with instant gold status at Shell with the Fuel Rewards program. It's free to join. So join now at fuelrewards.com slash gold. Restrictions apply. Active gold status required. Introductory offer valid for six months after activation. Limit 20 gallons at participating Shell stations. See fuelrewards.com slash gold for full details. Doesn't actually turn bodies gold. A good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where MyPillow comes in, and now for a limited time, just go to MyPillow.com, click the Radio Listener Special tab, and use promo code SKY to get two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows, all for 50% off and free shipping. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825. 1-800-635-1825. I'm KFC's Extra Crispy Colonel, and you're the extra busy regular person who has to make dinner for a family of four. But you can shirk that responsibility because my Extra Crispy $20 fill-up from KFC contains eight pieces of freshly double-breaded Extra Crispy Chicken, four biscuits, two orders of mashed potatoes, and a side of coleslaw for just $20. That'll feed them. KFC, it's Extra Crispy Good. Pricing and participation may vary. Tax and substitutions extra. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Gillette. 40 million Americans wake up to a Gillette shave. And Gillette is working to bring you America's number one shave at lower prices. Go to GilletteOnDemand.com and get your first and fourth orders free. First and fourth. I like that. Hey, um, before we get the NFC West, and that's the division, of course, we're featuring this week, Goose, I know you want to nominate someone for our 
Hall of Fame. And in this week's State Your Case, which of course is brought to you by Progressive and Hang On Their Goose, that's Progressive, where customers who switch to it can save nearly $600. Why did you hear that, $600? Call or click today to find out if Progressive can save you hundreds on car insurance. That's Progressive. Anyway, Gooseman. The reason I know that you're all about putting this guy in our Pro Football Hall of Fame is because you wrote about him this week on our website. That'd be TalkFameNetwork.com. Now, he's not from the NFC West. He's from the AFC West. Right, Goose? That is correct, sir. There were three elite tight ends in the 1960s back when blocking was as important as catching at the position. Mike Ditka and John Mackey were both NFL All-Decade selections. Mackey was named to the NFL's 50th anniversary team and Ditka to the 75th anniversary team. Fred Arbanis was named the tight end on the all-time all-AFL team. He was a key blocking element on the most successful team in AFL history. The franchise first as the Dallas Texans, then the Kansas City Chiefs, won more games and more championships than any other AFL team. But Arbanis has been lost in the shuffle of time. He's never been discussed as a Hall of Fame candidate. He was a better, more deserving player than that. There was no doubting his ability. Arbanis was a second-round NFL draft pick of the St. Louis Cardinals in 1961, the second tight end selected in that draft behind Ditka. But he signed with the AFL, and the Chiefs finished in the top three in the AFL and rushing in all eight of his seasons he lined up as their tight end. He also brought a terrific set of hands to the Chiefs. In his first three seasons, he caught 97 passes and scored touchdowns on 21% of them. But Arbanis was mugged by two men in Kansas City in late December of 1964 and lost the sight of his right eye. Although he did miss a game in his first eight seasons, Arbanis was never the same offensive weapon after that. He never caught more than 24 passes in his final six seasons and would score only 14 more touchdowns in his career. But he remained a stout blocker. He was again voted the first team all AFL tight end in 1964 and went to two more AFL All-Star games in his career but he injured his knee in 1970, the first year of the merged leagues, and missed the final eight games of the season. It also marked the first time in a decade the Chiefs tumbled out of the top three in rushing, falling to ninth in the 2016 league. Arbanis retired at season's end, closing the book on a career and, apparently, his Hall of Fame chances, which is a shame. Back when blocking mattered at the tight end position, few were better than Arbanis. He deserves a better historical fate. With the evolution of the position, does someone who played in our Bannis' era have any legitimate Hall of Fame chance today? Uh, only as seniors. Guys like Ron Kramer and Fred Arbanis excelled at what tight ends were asked to do in that era, block. But we judge them today on how they run routes and catch footballs. I think the overwhelming number of voters did not see football in the 60s like you and I. So it's up to us on the senior committee to resurrect those deserving candidates from that bygone era. Okay, Goose, it's up to you guys, but is he on the senior shortlist? I mean, is this a name that's been coming up, or is he a guy who's simply an afterthought and, and someone that you think belongs in? He, de- he deserves to be discussed, but he's an afterthought. Uh, there, there are a lot of chiefs that are ahead of him in the queue, apparently, and at this point, he's not a, he's not a factor. Okay. Well, Clark, I was just going to say the problem with the senior committee, of course, is we don't have a short list. We have a long list. That's the, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, that's right. Kill it. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? The Great Abyss? The Great Abyss. The Great Abyss. That's exactly right. You go in yeah. there and you never come out. <laughs> like my Hall of Fame candidacy. I go in, but I never come out. 
Some uh, some colleges are like that, huh? You go in, but you never go out on that eight-year program. Uh, listen, I said we were going to get to the NFC West, and we are. And as an aside, um, I thought I'd mention we also have a poll running this week on our website. That'd be talkoffamenetwork.com. I don't know who wins that division. That would be the NFC West Goose. Last week's poll wasn't on the NFC West. It was on the AFC South. And the winner was? With a late push, the Tennessee Titans came on yes. top over the two-time defending champion Texans. The Titans have Marcus Mariota. The Texans have a rookie quarterback, and that seems to be the difference. Well, I like that because I voted for him. Ron, you voted for him, didn't you? I did, uh, even though I like uh, Billy O'Brien and I like his defense, but I don't like his quarterback because he doesn't have one. <laughs> Good luck, by the way, in getting Bill O'Brien for our next show. <laughs> <laughs> he loves me. He, he, loves like, me. he understands he, my sense of humor. He loves me. He loves me not. Anyway, um, Gooseman, you know, talking about the uh, NFC West, um, you know, as I said, we've got this poll going on this week. Um, I think, honestly, it could be competitive, <laughs> more competitive than it was last year. And the only reason I say that is because I guess maybe I'm a party of one, but I think San Francisco is going to be improved and maybe vastly improved. I, I realize they don't have what you consider franchise quarterbacks, but I think they've helped themselves at, at a lot of positions. Well, Clark, I understand your passion for the 49ers because I know how much you love those Michigan State quarterbacks. You've <laughs> always been a Brian Hoyer guy, but I'm not sure I'm ready to cast the 49ers as playoff contenders quite yet. Well, it seems like the bottom's falling in, in Seattle, and I know we talked to John Clayton about that, but it just seems like that's going on too, Goose. That, that would help somebody's cause, right? I still like Seattle. They've got the best coach, the best quarterback, and the best defense in the, in the division. You know, that, that okay. trio usually extends seasons into Januarys and Februarys. Okay, well, let's go to that topic. Goose, you've already said who you like. Ron, who wins this division and why? Uh, I think Seattle rules again because just function at the junction seems to be their uh, winning formula. They're like the A's of the 70s. Uh, and they still have the best lineup, although the Rams, I think, have a formidable defense. I still like the Legion of uh, Doom, formerly known as the Legion of Boom. Uh, and I like their quarterback better than the rest, even though you like him too, Clark. I'm, I'm trying desperately not to hold that against Russell Wilson. Uh, but I like, look, Arizona's going to be competitive. they got a great coach too. Uh, but San Francisco, I do not think so. Okay, well, let's get to that topic because you heard Kyle Shanahan in the first hour. His father, Mike, is out there with the uh, 49ers. How successful, Gooseman, will he be? And I'm talking about Kyle in San Francisco. Well, historically, first-year coaches tend to struggle. And first-year coaches without a quarterback are doomed to struggle. You know, I like Hoyer, but he's merely a placeholder until Shanahan can find the right guy. Uh, if Kyle gets this team to six wins, he should be in contention for NFL Coach of the Year. Well, Ron, I thought the Legion of Doom, you just told me it was in Seattle. Goose is telling me now it's in San Francisco. Yeah, well, they don't have a Legion. They have one guy of Doom, Brian Hoyer. I saw him play, <laughs> unlike the Goose fans did. Uh, uh, long term, I think Shannon, uh, you know, he's got a reasonable chance of success. I think but when you inherit a team that finished 31st on defense and 32nd in, on offense, uh, or vice versa, not that the versa matters because they're both a vice. Uh, you ain't winning nothing, as they would say in my old neighborhood in 2017. Uh, you know, even Kyle sort of con conceded that. You know, that you know, you're sort of redefining success uh, if you're in the situation he's in. Uh, can they? Are they, are they better at the end of the season than they are at the start? That's about the best he can hope. Okay, Ron, let's move to another team. That's Arizona. I mean, remember a year ago, they were everybody's darling. Now it seems like 
you can't run away from them fast enough. What do you make of these guys? Well, you know, uh, they wisely rebuilt their offensive line, but they lost two uh, uh, defensive starters. Uh, you know, I mean, they got – they seem to be always almost but not quite. You know, their defense is good. Their offense is, is off. Their offense plays pretty well. Their defense is off. I mean, I like Bruce Arians as a coach. I think he's a terrific coach. He may be actually the best coach in the, in, in, in the division, but uh, I just think that they have too many little holes over here and weaknesses over there uh, to match up with Seattle. You know, what's puzzling is that there were only two teams in the NFL last season that finished in the top ten in both offense and defense. The Super Bowl champion Patriots and the Cardinals. And Arizona can't even get a winning season out of it. Now the quarterback's 37, their best receiver's 34. Teams and offenses don't tend to get better with age. And their best receiver just got named the good guy award, by the way, um, by the pro football writers. Nice going, Larry Fitzgerald. That was Ron. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Not so fast. I don't think so. <laughs> he was a right. He was a writing candidate. Hey, Gooseman, quickly. The the Rams. You know, I love La La Land, uh, but the La La Rams, uh, not so much. Where do you see them? Yeah, the learning curve will be steep for the youngest coach in NFL history. He's 31, Sean McVay. He's younger than some of his players. I, I think, uh, especially, he's going to struggle, and his young quarterback Jared Goff is going to continue to struggle. Oh yeah. There's the reminder that it's time for Bogus in Wisconsin. Brought to you by the reign of Wisconsin and, yes, Motel 6. Book online at the new motel6.com. You know what? We'll leave the light on for you. Ron, who are you leaving the light on for? <laughs> and they got plenty of those Motel 6s right here for here in beautiful Wisconsin, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you, no one knows what the face value of Super Bowl 52 tickets in Minneapolis will be or how many seats they're going to jam inside U.S. Bank Stadium. But one thing is already clear. Most people will need a bank loan to buy them. Minnesota Viking Executive Vice President of uh, Stadium Development and Public Affairs, Lester Bagley, warned local fans last week that, quote, there's going to be some sticker shock for sure for our market. Well, uh that's not bogus. bogus. That's Super Bowl ticket prices are bogus. Last year, according to Bagley, to get into the lower bowl in Houston cost roughly $2,000. Club-level seats had a face value of $3,000 and were going for multiple times that depending on what yard line they were on. The average ticket price had a face value of $1,325, which is anything but average uh, for most football fans. It was also bogus. bogus. The average actual cost was considerably higher. Apparently, Bagley feared this news hadn't reached Minnesota yet. Now, listen to this, guys. In 1967, the first Super Bowl wasn't even the first Super Bowl. It was the NFL-AFL championship game in those days. The average ticket cost was $12. The game wasn't sold out, so you know what the average scalper price was? $10. A little bit different. In a sense, though, you can blame the Broncos fans for starting this pricey frenzy. In 1978, when they played Dallas, the average actual cost was $108.93 for a $30 ticket. First time cost succeeded 100 bucks. When it first hit 200 it was 1988 and the Broncos were in the game again. First time it hit 500 blamed the 2004 Patriots. Uh, the average face value finally hit $1,000 in 2013. Of course, you needed to bring an oxygen mask with you, uh, plus some extra vig because you had to climb so high, literally and figuratively, to get to the seat 
and pay for them. Bogus. Although prices have yet to be determined for Super Bowl 52, and no one knows who'll be in the game. Scalpers online like SeatGeek.com, one of Clark's favorite websites, already <laughs> listed lowest lowest price at $2,600 for an upper-level end-zone seat. There's nothing super about that but the price. Ron, does the NFL just not care about Joe Fan anymore? I think when it comes to their championship game, you're right, they don't. I mean, you know, a lot of teams in regular season, they keep at least a small amount of individual game tickets at a reasonable price. But when it comes to these games, all they care about is the big advertisers and the uh, Morgan Stanleys of the world, you know, and those sort of guys. They're the only ones who can afford uh, to go to the game. I mean, $3,000 for a face value of a ticket. No game's ever been played that's worth $3,000. Uh, and, and these guys are paying three times that for uh, for the same ticket. So you talk about $9,000, $10,000, I mean, the only guy who can afford to go is Clark. Oh, yeah, sure. I've seen your paycheck. I'll see you in Minneapolis in the not-so-cheap seats. Hey, I'll tell you what. There's nothing bogus about this, Ron. We've got to go to commercial, and we got to go right now. When we return, we'll go straight to the two-minute drill with Goose asking this week's questions. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, this is Terrell Davis. You're listening to Rick, Ron, and Clark on the Talk of Fame Network. Another reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hey, this is Vince Papali from Invincible, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network, an Invincible team for sure. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. We want winners, too. So, Art, let's try this again. Cue Mike Pereira on that whistle, would you? That's the two-minute warning. Yes, sir. It's the two-minute warning. So, Goose, take us home with that Burger King drill, home of the Burger King breakfast. Marshawn Lynch topped the NFL jersey sales in May. What's the over-under on the number of those jerseys now hanging in the closets at the Ron Borges abode? That would be 100 less than the number of Art Shell jerseys. You got that right. But it actually would be zero. He will never crack my Marv Hubbard, Mark Van Egan, Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson collection. <laughs> got covered. Tom Brady ranks second in jersey sales. What's the over-under on the number of those jerseys in the Connecticut castle of Clark Judge? Zero. Now, if you want to talk about photos of Giselle. I would say goes way over the number of non-suspended player jerseys. <laughs> right, that's a cheap shot. The NFL is conducting a clinic this weekend for the league's young assistant coaches to instruct them on the fundamentals of the game. What would Vince Lombardi think? Well, he'd say the assistants might as well learn them because the players can't. He would say, what the hell are you doing out there? Grabbing, grabbing. Everybody's just grabbing. The New England Super Bowl ring has 283 diamonds to signify that 28-3 deficit the Patriots overcame against the Falcons. In hindsight, should the Patriots have fallen behind by 40? No, in hindsight, the Falcons shouldn't have gotten greedy. In hindsight, they were trying, I think. Josh Norman says he was a better cornerback last season with the Redskins than he ever was with the Panthers. What does the tape say? That he wasn't great in either place. Tape don't lie, players do. Vince Young tore his hamstring in practice with the CFL team and will miss four to six weeks. Is this the end of the line for the former NFL Rookie of the Year? No, sir, Goose. Last time I checked, the New York Jets were still in business. (laughs) 
I would say his body is talking to him, Goose, and he'd be wise to listen. The Viking, the Georgia Dome will be imploded in November. What would you inscribe on the building's team tombstone? We came, we saw, we stunk. This was not a peach of a place. Well, we'd like to thank Mike and Kyle Shannon, James Harrison, John Clayton for joining us, Art DeBaca for producing a work of art, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any of our podcasts, just to go to our website, that would be talkafamenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes or your podcast app. Otherwise, catch us on this station, and at this time next week. We'll be here. We hope you will be, too. Have a happy Father's Day. Greta is a drill instructor. On your feet and negotiate this obstacle. Yes, ma'am. When it comes to training lean, mean, fighting machines, she doesn't mess around. I do not have all day, people. But in her free time, Greta's an amazing poet, and she knows it. The green grass, it whispers to me like an ancient firefly. Look at her throw those verses with confidence. But when it comes to getting a mortgage, Greta's less confident. Uh, a little help here? Fortunately for Greta, there's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. It's simple, so she can understand the details and know she's getting the right mortgage. My confidence. It's returned like a jealous lover on a rainy night. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Go to rocketmortgage.com today. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. And MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Did Hall of Fame catcher Johnny Bench ever have to make a game-saving catch? Or two? Of course I did. One being Blue Emu. I'm Johnny Bench. And instead of sitting on the couch due to tired muscles and joints, Blue Emu has kept me in the game and active for nearly a decade. Off the field, of course. <laughs> it's simple. All you have to do is rub it on. It works fast. It's non-greasy and odor-free. Trust me, if it works for me, it'll work for you. Available in stores nationwide. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. You are in the driver's seat, in complete control, in life and on the road. Your driving record is impeccable. And for this, you are greatly rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive. You use your savings to buy a world's best driver t-shirt. It runs a little small. The more righteous you drive, the more you can save. With Snapshot from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in all states or from all agents.